Welcome to Locked On Mariners, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Here's your host, D.C. Lundberg. Yeah, let's go. Let's go. Let's go. Happy Saturday, gang. D.C. Lundberg here to bring you another edition of Locked On Mariners, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, or T-L-O-P-N, or Tloppin. Tloppin! Tloppin! Please remember to download, rate, and subscribe to Locked On Mariners on Google Podcast, Apple Podcast, Spotify, Stitcher Radio, or whichever podcasting app that you personally care to use. Follow this show on Twitter at L-O underscore Mariners, and follow me on Twitter as well at D-C underscore Lundberg, L-U-N-D-B-E-R-G for those scoring at home. Before I introduce today's guest, I want to speak about one item quickly, and that was the tease at the end of last Wednesday's show. Uh, Speaking about MLB Network and why I was irritated with them, I thought their Ken Griffey Jr. day last Saturday was horrible. The game that I was most excited about was the Mariners game in Texas from 1994 that they were supposedly going to play, and they showed maybe half of it. It was probably closer to a third of it. They cut out the half innings in which the offense did not score or where Junior didn't do something cool on defense. It was a 12 or a 13 inning game, I don't remember exactly, and they cut it up to hell and back and crammed the entire extra inning game into a two-hour broadcast. I was not happy. MLB Network showing incomplete games is nothing new, but man, did they take it to an extreme with this one. Root Sports does this same thing as well, though. Randy Johnson's no-hitter was heavily edited, and they barely showed the Mariners on offense at all. If you want to broadcast what essentially are player highlights instead of a full game, fine. But call it what it is. These truncated, edited games are not complete rebroadcasts. They're what I just called them. Highlights. However, Root Sports did show the game in which Jay Buhner hit for the cycle in its entirety, all 14 innings of it, and the game in which Randy Johnson struck out 19 White Sox in its entirety, so they have hit some bullseyes. Those were great and highly enjoyable. And MLB Network did show Nolan Ryan's seventh no-hitter in its entirety, among a few other games, so they're not completely feckless over there either. Anyways, with that out of the way, I would like to introduce today's guest, and that would be the host of Locked on Anaheim Ducks right here on Tloppin, Mr. Jason Hernandez. Jason, welcome back to Locked on Mariners. So eight years ago today, Mike Trout made the spectacular catch at Camden Yards that we've all come to enjoy and love so much because Mike Trout is that awesome. And MLB still has no idea what to do with Michael Nelson Trout. Come on, MLB, get it together. He's your superstar, not Bryce Harper. (laughs) I'm just saying. And you say correctly, I did not look at MLB Network's schedule today. Are they replaying that game today? I don't know. I don't watch MLB Network. Fair enough. I've been watching NHL Network because they were showing Gretzky's 10th Hattie Mm. when he was a member of the Rangers. Yeah, 10 hat-tricks. Someone beat that record, I dare you. It ain't going to happen, but I dare someone to try it. (laughs) You do dare somebody to try it, but then you say it's not going to happen. Hell no, it's not. 10 hat-tricks in the playoffs? Are you kidding me? 10 hat-tricks in the playoffs? Oh, you you left out that part. Yeah. (laughs) <laughs> I mean, players have 10 hat-tricks in their careers, but in the playoffs alone? Yeah. Yeah. That's a bit much. You know, the Seattle audience should get uh, familiarized and acquainted with the NHL since hockey will be starting in Seattle 
fairly soon. NHL hockey, that is. And I mean, I, you, could, I could talk about that later on. You could talk about that later on. Well, why don't you talk about it now, actually, because the NHL draft lottery just happened. And from what you have uh. told me, it is a cluster. <laughs> Do we have to go there? So, okay. So yesterday was the feckless NHL draft lottery. <laughs> and we had a live show yesterday on the Locked On Podcast Network. And it was on Locked On Live, where we had hosts from Locked On Red Wings penguins myself locked on kings and locked on sharks trying to defend themselves because they partially made this mess <laughs> and any chance to take a shot at the sharks but anyway <laughs> so here's the way the draft lottery works the top three picks will be selected okay that's fine based on the seven teams that already are not playing minus the sharks because they made a dumb trade <laughs> and the eight teams that would lose in the qualifying round which is essentially a playoff and the odds were not that good that one of those eight teams would get the number one overall pick in fact the odds were close to 10 to 15 percent it was it was in there 10 to 15 percent not that high in other words ottawa had a 50 percent shot of getting the top two picks and they didn't get it they didn't get either one (laughs) They traded for one pick, had the other one because they were so poor, and did terribly. The Detroit Red Wings, they tanked and tanked and tanked and ended up with the number four overall pick. Uh, The team I covered, the Anaheim Ducks, they got number six. As the draft was happening and I saw Detroit get the number four pick, I tweeted out, I'm just going to laugh if one of those teams gets the number one pick. And sure enough, sure enough, Ottawa got three, the LA Kings got number two, and a team to be determined later. I kid you not. Team placeholder will have the number one pick in the NHL draft. Yeah. How's that looking, Gary Bettman? Ugh. On the bright side, he's already said this is a one-time thing because of the pandemic. I think he already knows, not so much a slight mea culpa, but this was the way that they wanted to do it. And the odds were slim that this would happen. And it happened. This is so NHL. And now one of these teams that are in a modified playoff, the ones that lose, they're going to get a shot at the number one pick, which is ridiculous. So team placeholder gets the number one pick, a team to be determined. Is that whoever loses the first play-in or playoff round? Yes. So there are eight, there are 16 teams in this play-in round. So five seed versus a 12 seed, Okay. six versus 11 and so on. So the top eight teams, they'll have no chance at this, which I guess is fine. Mm -hmm. And the odds will be stacked towards the teams that are lower seed. In other words, teams that were bound to be in the lottery on a normal season. Normally, it would be teams 1 through 15 Mm -hmm. that would be in the lottery. But because of this shortened, this season that's cut off and this modified playoff, again, this is all due to COVID-19. This is really the only reason why they're trying this and doing something different. Yeah. And now they know they're not going to do this again. <laughs> <laughs> Unless it takes something monumental like a pandemic. Yeah. They're probably not going to have a pandemic at this time next year. I would say more likely this is going to be vaccinated by then because this is in a year's time. Again, yeah. one time thing. And that's it. <sighs> Yeah, so you can see how I feel about the whole thing. 
Yes. It, it's it's ridiculous. It is completely ridiculous that this even happened. And if you hear Locked on Anaheim Ducks, um, I don't know if I can say this, but I'm going to anyway. Myself and the Locked on Kings coach, Sarah Avampato, we recorded for an hour and change and talked a lot about We're still in disbelief that it even happened. <laughs> like, how the crap does this happen? Only in the NHL. But on the bright side... At least all three picks aren't placeholders, just the first one. Well, so that would have been glorious be... if it was. <laughs> and this does bring up another point that half the fans did like. Hmm? A team that was tanking, and obviously tanking, oh. the Red Wings, they are not rewarded with the number one overall pick. They get the fourth pick. Well, there you so go. So there's a lot of fans that are happy about that, which goes back to an old argument as to whether you should encourage tanking or not. And this is a case where you do not encourage tanking. You know, that that, that could be true for any sport. That could be true for any sport, and I hadn't thought about that. It makes perfect sense. Fortunately, that's never going to happen in baseball because draft picks, high-round draft picks, go into a to short season A ball for the most part. So there is absolutely no benefit to tanking to get the number one pick. Yeah, and that's the thing with baseball. There's so many rounds in baseball. And the draft is a crapshoot anyway, so there is absolutely no reason to have a draft lottery. Right. I mean, there are number one picks in the recent past that have completely flamed out of baseball entirely. Mark Apple, anyone? Yeah. So getting that number one pick is not a slam dunk compared to, let's say, the NBA and the NHL. Right. Those number one picks could come into the league right away. NBA, they will be in the league right away because it's more of a guarantee. Same with NFL. Exactly. Well, yeah. Well, the NFL, they have so many players. That's the difference between the NFL and basketball, hockey. Mm -hmm. The NFL has so many players on the field at one time. They also have 53 players on their active roster versus, what, 12 players on an active roster in the NBA? Huge difference. Huge Huge, difference. difference. Not only that, but you have fewer amount of games, only 16 games. It's going to be hard to tank a football season towards the end when you have so few games because how often do we see a team completely out of the playoffs with only four games to go not that often unless you're 0-12 like the Detroit Lions I seem to remember the Houston Texans I don't think they were actively tanking but they missed a field goal in their 16th game to give them the number one overall pick and I think it was the year Vince Young was in the draft and they didn't take him I forget who they took instead, uh, Mario Someone Williams. Someone like that. Yeah. Something ridiculous. And just for you hockey fans to go back, the list of players that have been number one, they're all very, very good players. Jack Hughes, Austin Matthews, he's an all-star. Connor McDavid, he's McJesus. Nathan McKinnon, he's an MVP candidate. Taylor Hall, he's consistently very good. Steven Stamkos, he's an MVP candidate. Patrick Kane, he's won three championships. Alexander Ovechkin, he could break the all-time goals record. Hmm. In hockey, getting a number one pick is more of a slam dunk than most other leagues, which is why the draft is a little bit more important in hockey right? and why having a lottery works because teams were beginning to actively tank. We shouldn't have That shouldn't happen. And among the four major sports, baseball, football, basketball, and hockey, the baseball draft is, I feel, the least exact science 
and has obviously the lowest impact right away since everybody goes to the minor leagues. But we are past due for a break, Mr. Hernandez, so it's time for the Mariners trivia question, which today is the following. Off whom did Kyle Seeger get his first major league hit? Answer following a word from Bilt Bar. Ladies and gentlemen, I realize not all of you have tried Built Bar yet, and that's gotta change. Try a Built Bar. They're made with real chocolate, they're high in protein, low in sugar, and low in calories. They've got a plethora of flavors to choose from, and I'm sure that a few of them will strike your fancy. JD, which flavor did you enjoy the most? Double chocolate mousse, but I also do like the orange chocolate cream. That one's delicious. Ah, excellent choices. I like the chocolate raspberry maybe the most. Chocolate orange certainly was a good one. And chocolate peanut butter was also excellent. Gang, if you go to BuiltBar.com, you can compile a box of the flavors you would most like to try or a box of your already established favorites. And for new customers, if you use promo code LOCKEDON, L-O-C-K-E-D-O-N, you get $10 off your first order. And for returning customers, if you buy one box, you can get a second box for the exact same price. That's all at BuiltBar.com. Remember that promo code for $10 off your first order. Built Bar, the best a man could get. Answer to the... Can I take... Can I have a hint on the question? Yes, it was against the Angels in Angel Stadium of Anaheim. So it was against the Angels at Anaheim Stadium. So we're thinking, what, 2012, 2011? It was July 10th, 2011. Uh, The only pitcher that might... I want to take one guess, and if I don't get it, I kind of want to take another shot at this. Mm -hmm. Uh, Let's try Jared Weaver, since he was playing back then. Uh, You would be incorrect, sir. Ah. (laughs) <laughs> uh, one more shot. Who else yeah. was there in 20, 2011, you said, right? July 10th, 2011. Second well, inning that was, of the game. I thought that was a good guess, Jared Weaver. It was a good guess. He was a starting pitcher for the Angels at that time. And since I've just told you it was the second inning, it is most likely a starter. Uh, the only other starter I could think of would be uh, Dan Heron. And that is the correct answer. Kyle Ooh. Seeger got his first major league hit off Danny Heron in Anaheim Stadium or Angel Stadium of Anaheim or Edison International Field or whatever you want to call it on July 10th, 2011 in the second inning of his fourth Major League Baseball game. It was a line drive single to center field. More locked on Mariners upon the conclusion of the following. I, I needed I needed multiple hits to get that one, but I got it. You got it. You got it. Of course. You can, you can say now back to Locked On Mariners and your host, host DC Lundberg. Angels got that one. Well, I think actually we're back now because JM has just uh, introduced me. Thank you very much for doing so, sir. Locked On Mariners has returned with Jason Hernandez from Locked On Ducks, who is the fill-in host of Locked On Angels, and got it. The answer to the trivia question on the second guess. So there is some you got some angels cred, Jason. Thanks. <laughs> yes, I do know my top angels pitchers from certain eras. I mean, Jared Weaver is a fantastic pitcher. Come on, he got a no hitter. This is true. Okay, here's one then. Off whom did Dan Wilson get his first major league grand slam? It was against the Angels in the Kingdom on April fifteenth. I want to say nineteen ninety six. Oh, good lord. <laughs> Let's see. Uh, so Chuck Finley was still around at the time. I don't think he would have given up a granny, though. 
He was indeed an all-star in 1996, but that is not the right answer. But, yeah, but the right that's answer why I said, is like I don't I don't think he would do it. <laughs> no, but the correct answer is left-handed. Ooh, that's a good hint. I like that hint. Mm. So left-handed 96? Yes. Ah, the only other one I could maybe think of. Wait, have you mentioned him before? Yes. On this podcast? Yes. Have you mentioned him as both a former Mariner and Angel? No. Oh, then it's not him. <laughs> it's not Mark <laughs> Langston, no. <laughs> I'll just go Jim Abbott then. That is the correct answer. Okay. Yes, it was um, in the fifth or sixth inning. I think it was the sixth inning. Um, and after the game, and Wilson had an RBI double earlier in the game. And Wilson said he was just sitting on Abbott's cutter because he kept throwing it. So he was looking for a cutter. He That's got right. it and parked one into left field. Abbott actually had a, a pretty bad 1996, yeah, if I, I remember recall. that. I remember that was the year after. Um, so he had a pretty decent strike short season, but I remember that he left the Angels or he got traded after that. And that was why they got rid of him. Actually, he was a Yankee in 1994 and 1993 when he threw his no-hitter. Um, let's actually pull up some Jim Abbott stats. I know he was drafted by the Angels and ascended through their system pretty quickly. And yeah. I think he reached the major leagues in 1990, I want to say. Sure. 1989. I know that one down. <laughs> yes. Major League debut, as a matter of fact, was April uh, 8, 1989. That's right. He hardly spent any time in the minor leagues. Yeah. After being drafted, and he had a very good 1989 season. He started 29 games, a 3.92 ERA, which actually was league average, because his ERA plus is only 98, with 100 being league average. His strikeout to walk ratio was 1.55, five point. Uh, he walked a few too many hitters that season. It looks like next season he gave up some hits. 1991 was really good, 2.89 ERA for Mr. Abbott, 34 games started and it looks like 1992 was even better and then he was traded to the Yankees who I guess were trying to make a push at a playoff run at that time he was traded to the New York Yankees for uh, Jerry Nielsen Russ Springer and J.T. Snow hmm J.T. Snow he spent then let's see one two two years in New York in 1995 he started with the White Sox and then was traded to the Angels 1995 was okay for him 1996 was not and he didn't even play anywhere in 1997 he came back in 1998 with the White Sox and then finished up his career with a lackluster 1999 in Milwaukee one thing I, I remember re- I ahead. remember that go ahead go no, I was going to say, um, the one thing I remember about Jim Abbott or reading about Jim Abbott was, and this is the man who does not have a right hand. Keep that in mind, ladies and gentlemen. Mm-hmm. Inspirational story, amazing human being. In college, he was a really good hitter, which I never would have guessed. Well, he got some pretty decent bunts with the Angels when they needed him to hit when it was interleague play. Right. Remember, that was around the time that interleague play was starting. So he was going to get his at-bats anyway. The way he held his bat uh, along the right, I guess, forearm, it, it was magnificent. He wasn't that bad of a hitter. No, and in college, when he actually did swing the bat, he would kind of place what uh, would have been his right hand on the knob, 
and place his left hand over it and assume a left-handed batting position, and he could swing the bat pretty well. He had some decent gap power and good contact, which I never would have guessed from him. He's just an amazing human being, uh, a Golden Spikes uh, winner, I believe, and uh, winner of the Fred Hutchinson Award, mm-hmm. and now he's a motivational speaker and has always been really good with dealing with children. Uh, just to look at his reference page, so it says bats left, throws left, fields left as well. Yes. I think oh, is the only hitter on there that has that. Probably, but one thing that I'm glad you brought that up because he was a really good fielder. You can you could not bunt on him. He was too quick. Right after he would release the ball with his left hand, he would then place his glove on his left hand in just the most quickest of motions so he could field a ball. Uh, you know, shake the the glove off and then throw it with his left hand. He was an amazing athlete. Absolutely, great one, memories of Jim Abbott. One of my all time favorite baseball players. And with that, JD, it is time to go. Already, We're, wow. Already, yeah. It went by quick. We did half of the show on the NHL draft lottery and half of the show on Jim Abbott. But Mariners fans, honestly, if you have not seen video of Jim Abbott pitching, hitting, or fielding. Honestly, he was an amazing athlete, a wonderful story, and I encourage you to look up video of him as a Major League Baseball player, and if you can find it, him as in college hitting as well. But, J.D., where can people find you on Twitter? Where can they listen to Locked On Anaheim Ducks? Well, I mean, you just said it. It's Locked On Anaheim Ducks on the Locked On Podcast Network. You could find us on Twitter at LO underscore Ducks or at StimpyJD. That's my personal Twitter yeah, I've been a little bit, uh, I don't want to say critical of the NHL, but come on, placeholder team number one, what are you doing? I, I, was, la- I was trying to hold it in. I really was. And uh, when we were on the phone last night, Jason called me last night when I was um, out of the house um, running a couple errands with my housemate. And we, when you said an unknown team was going to have the number one pick, we didn't know what the hell you were talking about or how that's even possible. And my housemate wanted to know, so now I can tell her that information. Yeah. And by the way, kind of breaking news in Seattle. I don't know if you saw this, DC, but there's a new arena at Seattle Center. Yeah, yep. Or they have mm-hmm. a name for it. The they certainly cl- do have a name for it. The Climate Pledge Arena. That's where the Seattle hockey team is going to play, hopefully, in 17 months. That is such a Seattle name. I don't mind it. It's the Emerald City. That One of their colors is green. The logo is green. It's a green arena with an iconic greenish roof. It fits, I guess. Yeah. <laughs> That's all I'm going to say about it. It's better than having a pink baseball stadium, I'll say that. You took the words right out of my mouth. You're about 15 seconds ahead of me, but yes, it's much better than T-Mobile Field. <sighs> Anything is better than Evil Cell Phone Company Park, or whatever the hell they call it. I've refused to say the company's name, ladies and gentlemen. At least they didn't call it Amazon Arena. I would have preferred that because the stupid cell phone company went so overboard with their branding that the stadium looks like Barbie's Dream Park now. Well, do you know the reasoning why they're calling it Climate Pledge Arena? Because they are going to be the first and only, as of now, carbon-free, zero-carbon arena in the major leagues. In the NHL, you mean? All sports. Mm, Okay. Yeah. How about that? So for, for that alone, it makes it not so bad of a reason. 
I have nothing to say to that. Yeah, and one more quick shout out to the Seattle Twitter. Their official name on their Twitter is Seattle Placeholders. <laughs> okay, Seattle Placeholders. Oh, so that means they have the number one pick because Placeholder gets the number one pick. <laughs> look, look up the NHL Seattle Twitter. They actually <laughs> changed it to Seattle Placeholders. It's hilarious. I love that. It. That is great. That is great. But uh, we got to run, JD. Thank you very much. Uh, you're going to be on with us again in just a matter of moments because we got a Saturday doubleheader coming at you today. This was the first part of the doubleheader. And on the next Locked On Mariners, Jason Hernandez will be here. John Miller will join us as well. And we will be joined by guest panelists Elliot Carlin, the Great Gazoo, and a postage stamp. The six of us will talk about our favorite stadium memories growing up, as this is the anniversary of the final Mariners game in the kingdom. You will not want to miss it. Please remember to download, rate, and subscribe to Locked On Mariners on Google Podcasts, Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Stitcher Radio, or whichever podcasting app that you personally care to use. Follow the show on Twitter at LO underscore Mariners, and follow me on Twitter at DC underscore Lundberg. Remember, ladies and gentlemen, next show coming up later on this evening. This is Joey Martin speaking for Locked On Mariners, part of the Locked On Podcast Network. Ask your smart device to play Locked On Fantasy Baseball upon the conclusion of this program.